0: Welcome to the Church Leaders Podcast, where we're helping you lead better every day. And now, here's your host. Hello, friends. I'm your host, Jason Day, and we have another insightful episode for you this week on the Church Leaders Podcast. I sat down with Eric Bryant, the lead pastor of Gateway Church in South Austin. Previously, Eric served for 12 years as part of the leadership team at Mosaic in LA, and before that, he spent four years planting a church in Seattle. Now, Eric also founded the Eric Bryant Foundation, which seeks to help churches and nonprofits reach more people, raise up leaders, and maximize their leadership teams. And they have some excellent resources. I encourage you to check them out at ericbryant.org. Now, Eric is celebrating the 10th anniversary edition of his book, Not Like Me?, learning to love, serve, and influence our divided world. And this edition includes new and updated content and is really a helpful resource to help church leaders and Christ followers build bridges across the many types of division that we encounter in our world today. On this week's episode, Eric and I talk about the importance of helping your church be a place where people from all walks of life can really belong before they believe. Eric shares some practical insights about what is effective and what is not so effective when it comes to sharing our faith. And then we also discuss some ideas that you can implement in your church to help bridge the divides and overcome the barriers that are so present in our culture today. uh, So that your church can really welcome those who are far from God and invite them to experience the hope of Jesus. So now I invite you to join me in my conversation with Eric Bryant. Eric, it's a joy to have you with us on the Church Leaders Podcast. Welcome. Thank you for having me. It's great to be with you. I'm really looking forward to our conversation. Eric, could you just take a moment and share with our listeners a bit about where you are in ministry now and briefly your ministry background?
1: Absolutely. I am in South Austin at a church called Gateway. Uh, John Burke is our senior pastor. I've been here seven years. I lead our South Austin campus. And South Austin is where Keep Austin Weird originated. (laughs) It's uh, 87% of our city does not attend any local church. It's more of an anti- or post-Christian city. Uh, Before I was in Austin, my family and I were in Los Angeles. We were at a church called Mosaic for about 13 years with Erwin McManus and the team there. And before that, uh, we were helping plant a church in Seattle for about four years. And so... That's been our last 20 years in, in ministry. Yeah. Awesome,
0: Eric. So I see that you just go to the easiest places to plant a church and to do ministry, right? <laughs> Seattle, right. L.A., and uh, South Austin. So
1: That's right. Well, my wife and I both grew up in the Dallas area, and okay. both had a sense of wanting to go where people uh, weren't as connected to God. And so certainly uh, a heart for the unchurch or de church has always been a part of our, our journey.
0: Amen. Great stuff. Now— much of your ministry has been dedicated to reaching, as you said, Eric, the unchurched and the dechurched. And I really appreciate the way you teach and write about this because you do not talk about targeting people or having people kind of be your project. Instead, you approach reaching others and sharing your faith with a focus on establishing meaningful relationships, right? So, can you share with us? more about how that looks in your ministry.
1: Yes, I believe that God loved us so much that he brought into our lives, whether it was a family member, a friend, or a coworker that pointed us towards him. And he loves the people around us so much that he's brought us into their lives. And so it's not about targeting, it's about being intentional with neighbors and coworkers and friends and family members so that Uh, Rather than trying to convert anyone, we're just trying to find people who are searching and help them find what they're looking for, which ultimately what I've discovered and you've discovered is what we're looking for and longing for is a relationship with God we can find through Jesus. And so in our culture that's very spiritual and not religious, it's about being intentional about taking the message of Jesus and the message of hope and love and faith that he gives us and sharing it in a way that is absolutely relevant to where they're at. And so it may be in the context of, you know, getting to know a neighbor or family member or a coworker that you discover they have something really pressing and it's asking if you can pray and and maybe that's what leads into a spiritual discussion. Um, but it could be that there's months or even years of just being a, a genuine friend that seems to have no spiritual undertones but might actually lead to the kind of conversation that you're praying for, that we're looking for. But it's deciding, am I going to allow people to belong whether or not they believe? Are they going to be my friend whether or not you know they, they attend my church or believe the same as I do or not? And I think that when we have that posture of just loving those around us and being available, we'll be amazed at the opportunities that do open up
0: yeah that's that's fantastic and and I know that you you talk a lot about um, when you talk about relationships and how we kind of live the life of Christ in front of others and invite them to kind of taste and see that God is good you know in a way through through those relationships you talk about those um, who are close to us, kind of the in here crowd, right so family, um, extended family, those people are close but then you talk about these sort of out there crowd as well can you can you kind of help our listeners, our pastors, and ministry leaders to kind of think through that kind of twofold understanding of these kind of spheres of influence that we might have as we are um, just kind of sharing the hope and love of of Christ?
1: Yeah, absolutely. What's fascinating in the scriptures is you see entire households coming to faith, and that word household is the Greek word oikos, which refers to our sphere of influence, our family, neighbors, coworkers, and friends— And so it's this idea of once those who are closest to us see life transformation, they will want what they see in us, and we can point them towards Jesus. But there's also in the scriptures a call to love, the xenos, another Greek word. This time it means alien or stranger, the foreigner. And in some ways, there are people in our life that still intersect with our lives that we can be more intentional about. Maybe you go to the same coffee shop every week, And instead of that being a stranger, that could become a friend. It's inviting your xenos to be part of your oikos. But also being ready, like Philip was, you know, when he sees the uh, Ethiopian man in the chariot. You know, there are some people that God will bring into our lives that we do not know, that if we have the eyes to see and ears to hear, we might have the opportunity to, to have those kind of meaningful spiritual conversations. But in many ways, I think... For those of us who follow Jesus, it's almost every day waking up and asking God, you know, what adventure do you have for me today? Is there someone new you want me to meet or befriend? Or is there someone that I already know you want me to to move the conversation from, you know, insignificant to, to spiritual or somewhere in between?
0: All right. No, that's good. So so help us with that as pastors, as we're talking with our churches because we know that oftentimes people are are OK with having those insignificant conversations, talking about the weather, you know, sports team, whatever it might be. Right, but right. there's that 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 kind of fear oftentimes to take that into a spiritual conversation. What, what are some tools What are some ways that we can help equip our people, help our people become more comfortable and it be more natural for them to make that step?
1: Well, I think you ask a really important question, and there's a, a big assumption that we need to you know mention and that is if we as pastors are not engaged in having spiritual conversations with people outside of sunday it's going to be hard for our people to to follow our lead if we're not doing that and so i love that you posed the question that way because as as people who are leading the church so to speak we definitely need to be out there engaging in these kind of conversations and 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 then really the way i've seen The ability to move conversations from superficial to spiritual, it's really uh, not as hard as it might seem. And and some of the questions that tend to help is, you know, what's really on your mind a lot lately? Or what's bothering you? Or is there anything happening in life that, you know, I can pray for you about? Or even simply asking the question, you know, I've never heard about your spiritual journey, I'd love to hear your story. And anytime I've asked those questions, especially if it's in the context of some sort of friendship, I've I've never been pushed back. You know, people don't mind talking about themselves, and people are uh, wondering and worrying and and hoping for more. And so, asking those kind of questions open the door to being able to listen to what's happening in their life. And when I've asked the question, you know, tell me about your spiritual journey. I'd love to hear your story. I've heard some amazing, you know, explanations of where people are in their journey, and I've tried to to be a good enough listener to be able to pinpoint moments in their life that are actually similar to moments in my life so that then after listening to their story, I ask, "Well, would you mind if I share about my story?" I try to point out some similar moments, and and perhaps how in those moments God revealed Himself in a way that 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 He could reveal Himself to them. Mm. And, and so, in many ways, it's it's becoming better at asking questions and better at listening. And then also, it's it's not just listening to them share their story; it's listening to God and those whispers in our spirit to know. This is an important thing to bring up or right. talk about this moment in your life that might help them in theirs. And to me, I have had so many amazing spiritual conversations. People are far more spiritually open than we realize. When we kind of lead with, this is what we believe. Do you believe the same? We eliminate opportunity. Right. But when we ask, where are you on your journey? Would you like to hear about my journey? It, it keeps the door open to conversation.
0: That's awesome, and I, th- I think it's so important because um, oftentimes what i found as a pastor is that our people tend to be uh, more resistant to sharing their faith when they view their faith, kind of how you were saying this idea of, well, I'm going to sit down with someone and, and and break it down as to this is what the truth is and, and find out where they fall, right? You know what I mean? Like right. they're resistant to that because that's confrontational, you know what I mean? So, I mean, right. who wants to get into a confrontational conversation with a friend or a coworker? You know, or or a family member. So as we listen, what I hear you saying, I think it's so important um, to just kind of reiterate, is there's this dual sensitivity. We have a sensitivity to our, our friend or our coworker, or our neighbor, a sensitivity to hearing their story and truly listening to their journey. And then we have a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit as well in the midst of that. Um, where the Holy Spirit is um, helping guide us and direct us into conversations and these touch points, these commonalities between our journey and our friend's journey, and then how we can kind of enter into that conversation. So there's kind of that dual sensitivity both to the person we're talking with and the Holy Spirit, Um, and then if we can help our people kind of be seeking after that, that makes the whole conversation much less threatening because it's not confrontational. It's more a a good friend listening and being a part of their life, right?
1: That's exactly right. Yeah, I love the way you framed it because in many ways, ultimately, we would love the opportunity to share this is how you can experience forgiveness and enjoy a new life and a relationship with God through Jesus. That is ultimately what we're trying to help our friend or family member, coworker, neighbor experience. It's just, you can't lead with that.
0: Right, (laughs) right, right.
1: And to get to that might mean a conversation where that person says, you know, I don't, I don't really think about my spiritual journey. What do you mean by that? Well, and that, and that could be, you have the opportunity to share about, well, I've experienced more joy than I ever could have imagined or peace I used to be you know struggle with anxiety and a lot of anger and and, and you might be amazed at how getting someone to the place where they are spiritually searching and, and sometimes the best conversations are the ones where somebody says you know what I used to think about God and and honestly i, I I've stopped or I used to pray and it didn't never worked and uh, but you've given me something to think about. If, if I can get someone to acknowledge they're open to seeing if there is more, mm. then and in, it, me saying to them, well, I will pray along with you. What if every day you just prayed, God, if you're real, show me who you are. And in fact, why don't you read the Gospel of John? And John walked with Jesus. He was his best friend. And he even wrote this particular book. To help us believe if you were to read it with an open heart and open mind and pray god if you're real show us show me who you are you might be amazed at how he would reveal himself to you and that's been my experience it's really fun to see people embrace faith or come back with a i know god is real now show me how and that's right. where maybe that roman's road can come in handy although I've, I've noticed whenever someone gets to the place where they say, I, I need what you have, show me how, I often start the Romans road uh, and go backwards. Uh, you know, instead of starting with we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, I, I start with you see when at just the right time when we were still powerless, Jesus died for the ungodly, you know, and it goes into talking about how God demonstrated his love for us. So it's talking about people acknowledge they're powerless, right? People acknowledge they need help. It's starting there and talking about that's why Jesus came for us. And then, you know, obviously we are sinful and we need forgiveness. But I've, I've found having the conversation acknowledge he God is here to help us puts people in a much more open posture to saying yes.
0: Right, definitely. And Eric, I love what you're saying there because I think it's so true that if you've developed a relationship, you know, and you're having these these conversations with someone, when it comes to the time, as you said, where, you know, it would be like the Roman, Roman road time, really, at that point in your relationship with them in your conversations, you're probably already at the point where they... Don't need to be told. We've all sinned and we're far from God, right? Because they're, they're yes. they've got a point where they've already acknowledged that at that point, right? They they understand yeah. where they are, yeah. and so so it's rather than us coming in and and pointing out so many faults, as you said, we're coming in and we're saying, man, this is the greatest news ever. I mean, this is the most beautiful thing that can happen, and there's hope and there's. Opportunity for you in Jesus Christ to step into the forgiveness that He offers and to live the fullness of life that He offers. And so, like you said, you're already at that point where it's a very, very positive because you've built this relationship throughout this conversation or multiple conversations, right? Um, yeah, that exactly That right. is, you know, really, really keen in on, they're, they're already kind of there. So instead of us trying to force people to get to that place and convince them how bad they are and how, how, far from God they are, we're, we're just talking and walking a journey with them and allowing the Holy Spirit, allowing our words and our conversation to help them see that there is this alternative way through Jesus Christ that is truth, and that is hope, and that is beauty, right?
1: That's right. And I think the propositional style that perhaps many of us were introduced in how to share your faith was a really important way to share your faith when everyone considered themselves a Christian.
0: Yes, right, right. So
1: you're you're almost having to convince someone that they're lost in order for them to actually be found.
0: Right, right, right.
1: But really, I find in, in our culture now, it's far more difficult to convince someone that there is a loving God, that God loves them. then it it is necessary to convince them that they are sinful and that they are broken. I have not had—I can think of one person in Seattle 20 years ago that denied he ever made a mistake. But everyone else I've ever had this conversation (laughs) with will acknowledge they are broken. There are things they do they don't want to do, and that's where the message of Jesus and the love of God is great news.
0: Amen, amen. I love that. That's all. That's all great stuff. I'm glad we glad we talked through that. Now I want to kind of shift a little bit. In your book, not like me, you touch on the fact that we live in a divided world, and it's <laughs> I would say where we sit right now, early 2018. There's probably more division than than I've seen in my lifetime. You know, we sense it because it's so prevalent. It's it's everywhere. Yeah. You know, I mean, there yeah. there's just this this huge divide, and you're either on on one side or the other in so many different avenues and so many different, you know, arenas of life, I guess. And so in your book, Not Like Me, you, you talk about and you dress several of these, you know, whether it's racism or uh, politics, um, religion, you know, all these, all these things that divide us, and yet you and your team, uh, your ministry teams, have, have really keyed in on how do we bridge those divides and how do we, how do we you know, create a church culture in a ministry where people feel this sense of of belonging, right, and yeah. and they they kind of understand this idea that people are are able to belong before they believe. So, can you kind of kind of take us in that direction? As we're thinking kind of more macro, church as a whole, what have you learned about kind of bridging these divides? You know, what 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 do you think our audience, our pastors, our ministry leaders today need to be encouraged about? Um, May be challenged um, when it comes to overcoming these divides and helping create a church where people belong before they they must believe.
1: Yeah, it's actually an amazing opportunity that we have as the church that we can, in the midst of such a divided world, which is why we have this 10th anniversary edition of my book, and it's been rewritten uh, in light of all the changes in our culture in the last 10 years. But we have an incredible opportunity to be countercultural. We can be the one place that's safe. It doesn't matter how you voted. Doesn't matter what you look like. Doesn't matter what decisions you made in your past or or how you make your decisions even now. Uh, to be able to create a community where people can genuinely come as they are, and they don't have to stay as they are. Right. Uh, it's actually become this amazing shelter so to speak from the storm that is our our broken world and so you know we really take great pride we say every sunday at gateway here in austin you know you can come as you are and no perfect people allowed you know we're trying to lower your expectations from the very beginning uh, of who we are but what we're actually trying to do is to to encourage you to be authentic because when you're authentic about your struggles about your doubts you are now in a position to make progress. Um, and so you don't have to be in denial or pretend to be someone you're not. And, and I'm telling you the church, we have the opportunity to be the place, the community that bridges these gaps. We're to be uh, bridge builders and, and we can do that. And, and we are doing that. And I think that's where pastors and church leaders need to really start to ask themselves and, and pray. God, what are we doing unintentionally, perhaps, that are, is sending a message that certain people aren't welcome? You know, the original title of the book was Peppermint-Filled Piñatas, and it was based on the story I share in the book about <laughs> buying peppermints because they were cheaper uh, for the piñata. <laughs> and, uh, and really, that was not a good move. 600 peppermints for $6 seemed like a good idea at the time, but I couldn't even get rid of it. Over the course of the next couple of Halloweens, people didn't want uh, <laughs> peppermints. But uh, the reason I use that image is that the church has often been like a pinata where you have to break through. You got to know the right words. You got to wear the right kind of clothes. You got to say the right kind of things. You got to act the right kind of way in order to break in. And once you get in, all you get is something that's sweet but not satisfying. And really, as church leaders, we need to tear down any barrier between the message of Jesus and the people that God has put around our church or in our lives. And if you just sit through a Sunday morning, because that's typically the first space that a a skeptic might try out, If if you were to sit through a Sunday morning and ask yourself, how would my neighbor that doesn't know Jesus feel through this whole thing, you'll listen differently. And so, you know, we sing, we worship on Sunday mornings, but I'll stand up and I'll I'll say things like, now I know some of you are here, and, and it's like walking into a concert of a band you don't know, and everyone seems to be singing along, but, and you know <laughs> none of the lyrics. Right. I just want to invite you to allow music to be a transcendent force in your life that gets you away from the distractions, and I want you to open your heart and mind that what if in singing these words, it becomes like a prayer, and what if there's a God who's listening? And it's amazing how someone who's reticent to sing or not even sure about God, if they open themselves up to singing with us, suddenly their heart is opening up to the message that they're about to hear. And so Sunday mornings can be a great place to kind of figure out are we communicating in a way that non believers would understand? And the other reason that's important, if we're, as pastors, you know, talking to just believers in Christian ease, then we're not even equipping them to go out from the church and talk about spiritual things in a way that can be relevant and understood.
0: Well that's a, yeah, that's a great point. So as we're looking at putting together our weekend worship experiences and those types of things, you've shared a few things, but are there some more like specific examples that you over the course of your ministry that you guys have been very intentional about to make sure that one, you are modeling something for um, your people when it comes to creating these, these bridges to, you know, across these chasms, these divisions we find. And also um, that is doing that for those newcomers who are stepping through maybe a church door for the very first time. Are there some, some practical things, intentional things that, that you guys have done that you found effective?
1: Absolutely. Um, what, one of the things we try to do is we, we definitely have greeters, you know, they're there to smile and to, to welcome folks, but they're also there to read uh, the person coming in. If the person coming in doesn't look like they want a hug or a, or a handshake, you just let them walk on by. We keep the auditorium kind of dark. And so we even say, you know, hey, this is a place where you can remain as anonymous as you want to for as long as you want to. And we do have folks that come in late and leave early. And uh, I'm usually standing outside uh, after the service and and try to say hello. But again, you can read people. You can tell if they want a conversation or if they're reluctant about it or if they definitely don't. And so our greeters are trained in not just how to open the door, but how to read whether someone wants to be engaged or not. And then we create that space. And and we'll even say on a Sunday – you know, if you're ready to step out of anonymity into community, the best way to do that is to serve others with others. And so we try to move people from the the Sunday morning crowd into one of our serving teams. Uh, that's an easy next step. So rather than an invitation into a stranger's house for a life group, which certainly will come later, right. but more likely to happen if they're already serving others with others on Sunday. It's just kind of thinking through the process of what do you want to see someone do, and it could be their next step is just to show up again next week, and maybe that's where they're at, just trying to get out of bed and come on a Sunday morning and open their heart to the idea that maybe there is a loving God who does want to intervene in their life, or or maybe it's somewhere to the place where they're you know, not only serving on Sundays, not only in a life group, but maybe they're ready to... To follow Jesus and get baptized. And so, you know, we try to think through things, explaining why we do what we do, whether it's communion, baptism, singing songs. We're always trying to communicate, like Jesus did at the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount in that crowd were the disciples and prostitutes and tax collectors. And so, in our audience, we just try to realize that everyone has a next step to take, whether they are unsure about God or they've been walking with Jesus for 40 years. We all have a next step to take and making sure we're communicating to everyone along that way how to take that next step.
0: That's excellent. You mentioned something about the, in the, the divided world in which we live that the church should be the place where people can feel safe and it should be, um, it should be a refuge, right? Uh, yes. but but what I have found, and you've probably experienced this as well, in 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 many not many churches, but churches can kind of have two different um, views of this refuge, or, or possibly do. One is that the church is a refuge for the church people right. Right, to, to hide out from the wickedness of the world, right? And so right. it becomes, you know, we're talking about everything we're against. It's this thing like, hey, we don't want to, and so there's this uh, almost this wall, this division that the church is, is building themselves. The other flip side is that the church is a refuge for everyone to find healing in the midst of their brokenness, right? And so yeah. so how – because I think one, one of the struggles that I have seen through a lot of this division that we're currently seeing is people who are outside the church are – and it's it's nothing new, but I think it's heightened are, – are saying and, and kind of putting these labels on the church that the churches are not – open they're not accepting they are part of the division right they're, 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 yeah. they're creating this division so speaking out across the landscape of churches you know here in north america what would you say to this idea of refuge and how can our our pastors begin to think through what does it look like to be a church that can break out of the stereotypes that have been placed upon us So that we can, you know, deal hope and share love and reach people for Christ.
1: Well, I I tell a story in the book about how uh, one of the most involved teenagers in our youth group in Seattle was a Muslim. And he continued to come to our church Wednesday nights and bring his friends, uh, even as he went to the mosque on Friday. And although he never stepped across the line of faith, many of his friends did. And uh, I shared this story with someone who said, how can you let a Muslim into your youth group? You know, aren't you supposed to be training up your kids and protecting our kids from the world? And it just reminded me, well, actually, our children are a perfect example of how we do allow people to belong before they believe. Mm. And, and so if we could just begin to acknowledge the church is not a service on Sunday The church is not a building. The church are those who follow Jesus. And if Sunday mornings can become like the Sermon on the Mount, if we can see our youth group and our children's ministry and our Sunday morning service as a place to disciple both those who don't believe and those who do believe, suddenly we're being more effective communicators to the world at large. I think too often people have said they believed and did not, and that's part of the challenge. We have a lot of people who've done horrible things in the name of Christianity, and they didn't have God's heart at all, and so I think we have to reframe the church are those of us who follow Jesus, and when we gather together, Paul says, don't forget about the unbeliever in your midst in 2 Corinthians 14, right. and, and we have forgotten about the unbeliever in our midst. And so we get up on our, on our pulpits, and we speak out against the, the ways of the world, and in our congregation are people who are engaging in those ways of the world. And so rather than them saying, I confess, I need help, they are actually less likely to confess what they're struggling with. But if we were to communicate the truths of the Scripture— with a kindness, and with a uh, a call to repentance. Uh, repentance is an opportunity; it's not punishment. <laughs> like, right, right. Repentance is great news. Confession leads to new life, and so there is just a complete disconnect where we would kind of uh, preach to the choir on Sundays and and rile each other up about how terrible the world is, when in reality the world was all in our services, uh, we as believers are still struggling to live the kind of life God wants us to live. So why try to impose on the world that doesn't have the Spirit of God our values? And I think what's important is when we begin to realize this message of hope is for everyone, and that everyone that comes, whether they believe or don't believe, still has room to grow. I think that begins to change how we interact with the world around us.
0: Yeah, that's powerful. And, and as, as we begin to think through that as pastors, uh, that that begins to shape not only what we're preaching, but really how we're preaching it. Because you're not saying avoid the truths of scripture. You're saying you're saying don't and I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, so correct me if I'm wrong, Eric, but but I feel that you're not saying don't preach the truths of scripture, water it down, what you know, try to make people feel happy and good and hope filled and all that. What you're saying is there's a way to preach the truths of scripture without smacking people upside the head, right? Yeah. But inviting them to find healing for their brokenness. That's right. Right, and that's the positive of it. That's
1: right. No, you still teach, you know, the the whole counsel of the scriptures for sure. But it's also acknowledging that we're at different places. Like the the Bible basically says there's three things that are reserved for believers. You, you should not take communion unless you're right with God. You shouldn't get baptized unless you're, you know, making that sort of commitment and, and commissioning. But there's, you know, you commission people who are ready. Not every believer is commissioned to be a, you know, a pastor or this or that. But we're all, as followers of Jesus, in ministry. And, and so what that does is it reminds us that anyone can sing. Anyone can listen to a message. Anyone can try to apply the message. And what begins to happen is once you start to try to live a more, you know, loving relationship with your spouse and you're struggling, that might be when you finally acknowledge, Jesus, I need help. Uh, yeah. And, and, and then there's this sense that you can, everybody can still serve. Now, we we only allow uh, those who've been commissioned to oversee the life of another person. But we have all sorts of spaces for people wherever they may be in their journey to serve alongside of us. And so I think it's important that we create space for people to be engaged, to be involved, no matter where they may be. And of course, we do background checks for people who work with kids in addition to being commissioned. But I do think that it's really important that we're more aware that our people aren't as far along as perhaps they uh, put off that they are. <laughs> and so so when we preach in a way that, and as you all know, um, we're actually not even helping our people make progress. We need to communicate in a way that our people and the people that are visiting, uh, we acknowledge that they may not be where we are personally, but we want to help them get there.
0: That's really good, Eric. Now, let me ask you this. And it's kind of kind of a probably a final question based on all of our conversation, which has been excellent. But how would you respond to a pastor who says, you know, this is what what I want to see in my church. I want to see our church be open and be a place where everyone can come in into this place, can find a place where they belong, can hear the good news, can feel like it's not, uh, they don't have to be, uh, you know, polished up before they can show up right and the pastor says that's that's what i'd love to see that has not been the culture of our church and here i am you know faithfully serving week in week out what advice would you give um that pastor as kind of how to kind of step into this and maybe um move some of their leadership maybe an elder board a church board you know who might be a little resistant like like what help encouragement would you have for that pastor
1: Well, there's multiple things that come to mind. You know, when I was growing up, the place that was most welcoming was youth group. And so typically what would happen is a lot of kids would come to Christ. The church service on Sunday may not have been as welcoming, but the youth group was. And if you're a a leader of a church and you don't feel like the culture is in a place where you can invite a non-believing friend, um, maybe you start with the Sunday night service. And we're going to experiment with Sunday night, and then the experimentation can lead to changes that go across, you know, Sunday mornings as well. I mean, one real simple thing is, as the pastor, if you have developed a relationship with a a barista or a neighbor who's not a believer, just ask them to come on a Sunday and to take mental notes and to get together with you after and, and just have them be honest with you, what was welcoming, what was not welcoming, what was confusing, what was helpful, and maybe even invite other leaders to do the same with some of the the folks they're trying to reach out to. Um, In many ways, I wrote the book to help church leaders and, and volunteers in churches to actually begin to have a heart for people who don't know God. And so it could very well be that there's some sort of combination of you know, we're going to do a sermon series through "Not Like Me." Uh, we're going to read this book, "Not Like Me," and then we're going to actually make some changes so that you can invite friends. And one thing we did at Mosaic—this was years ago—once uh, a month we would have uh, a dance or someone paint, and, and and so what it created was once a month you knew I can invite a friend. Today's going to be unique. It's going to be awesome. I know. Erwin's not going to be talking about tithing. I know, you know, <laughs> you know, and, and so we kind of got into a rhythm that this is a safe day. Now what's really amazing, and I've seen Erwin do this, John Burke here at at our community here at Gateway in Austin does the same. I can invite an unbelieving friend to come even on days we're talking about tithing or we're talking about hell or we're talking about sexuality. And they will still feel loved. They may not agree. Right. They may not want to uh, get involved. But we'll say things like, you know, if you're a guest, feel no obligation to give. You know, our our gift today is our gift to you. You know, like we, we try to clearly differentiate what we're trying to call you to do today is not try to live like us. We're inviting you to follow after Jesus, and as you follow after Jesus, he will guide you in how he wants you to live, you know, and so those discipleship conversations, I mean, if you just look at the way Jesus interacted with the rich young ruler, it was very different than the woman caught in the act of adultery, you know, both conversations included grace and truth. One started with grace, ended with truth, that's the woman caught in the act of adultery, you know, who condemns you? I don't condemn you. And then it ends with go and sin no more, which is a promise, not a threat. Right. Whereas the rich young ruler, there are some times when, because I love you, I'm going to have a hard conversation with you, you know? And that's one of the things that I, I think is important to note. A loving community is both inclusive and a place willing to have hard and honest conversations. The key is knowing when.
0: That's so good. Awesome, brother. Well, I certainly appreciate you taking time to be with us on the podcast, and I want to encourage our listeners to grab Eric Bryant's um, book. So this is the 10th anniversary of uh, his his book, and it's entitled Not Like Me, Learning to Love, Serve, and Influence Our Divided World, and it's just a fantastic kind of guidebook that helps you. Your leaders can go through it, um, your people can go through it, and really... Uh, as we said, kind of in our time and age, and what we're facing uh, right now, currently here in the U.S., there's there's so much division. I think it's it's awesome that you've um, uh, put this out here, this 10th anniversary edition, and I encourage people to to grab a copy of that and see how God might use that in their local ministries.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me, and and we're here to serve uh, the nonprofit I'm a part of. You know, would really love to help any church that wants to use this book. Uh, we make it super affordable. So if you can, if we can help with that, just email me, Eric at ericbryant.org. Thank you so much, Jason.
0: Awesome, Eric. I appreciate it. God bless you, my friend. God bless you. I appreciate you taking the time to be with us on this week's episode. Every week as we are putting the episodes together, we're thinking of you, our pastors and ministry leaders and striving to provide insightful and inspiring interviews as you seek to grow as a kingdom leader. So we hope you're finding value from the Church Leaders podcast, and if so, we'd certainly appreciate you taking a few moments to head over to iTunes and leave us a review. Your positive reviews and ratings help other church leaders more easily find our podcasts so they too can benefit from these interviews. Again, we thank you in advance, and if you have any comments, any questions, suggestions, or ideas for guests, I would love to hear from you. You can send me an email to podcast at churchleaders.com, or you can connect with me on Twitter. Finally, you can find this podcast as well as other great faith-based podcasts on the Faith Play app. It's available for both Apple and Android. And so we encourage you to check that out as well. So until next time, this is Jason Day encouraging you to love well,